copy of the Word of God. I want to thank the Lord for all of our guests. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I want you to turn in your copy of the Word of God as we continue our series entitled, Join God's Blessing Plan. Join God's Blessing Plan. In verses 8 and 9 of chapter 8 in 2 Corinthians, we read, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that your word would go forth unadulterated. I pray, O oh God, that you would hide me behind the blood-stained cross, and that as the word goes forth, that it will fall upon fertile seed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Join God's blessing plan. Amen. Amen. Some years ago, I read a story about a $20 bill and a $1 bill. They were on a conveyor belt at the downtown Federal Reserve Building. And as they were lying side by side, the $1 bill said to the $20 bill, hey, man, where have you been? I haven't seen you for a long time. $20 bill replied, man, I've been having a ball. I've been traveling to distant countries, going to the finest restaurants, the biggest casinos, numerous boutiques, upscale high-end malls, and the most exclusive jewelry stores. In fact, this week, I went to Europe for an international soccer game and to a professional NBA playoff game. Man, I decided it's time to chill for a little bit before I got on the road again. After describing his great experiences, the $20 bill asked the $1 bill, what about you? Where have you been? The $1 bill said, I've been to the Baptist church, the Methodist church, the Presbyterian church, Catholic and Episcopal, and of course, the Church of God in Christ. $20 bill said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's a church? What's a church? Some of you, you got to listen to the, <laughs> listen to that again. I ain't going to say it again. What's a church? Unfortunately, when it comes to giving to the Lord's work, many Christians have a $1 mentality. 20 for me, God, and $1 for you. While at the same time, we expect God's top shelf blessings. We expect a 
fivefold spiritual blessing in return for a dollar's worth of investment. We have little or no skin in the game called following Jesus as his disciple. Putting skin in the game means that you have invested your time, your talent, and your temple, your body, your treasure in something that you want to happen and to succeed. So when you put, when you put skin in something, that means that you've made a commitment. You want it to happen. You want it to, to succeed. So you give your time, your treasure, your talent, and your temple. It means that you demonstrate how much you value and believe in something or someone by the amount of commitment you give to that person or thing. What we value, we commit to. We put skin in it. Say, put some skin in it. If you are going to be a part of God's blessing plan, you need to put some skin in it. Yeah, you do. Although we have many ways to evaluate how much skin you put into the game called following Christ as his disciples, giving is one of the clearest litmus tests to evaluate where you are as far as your commitment to the Lord if you put some skin in this thing. Here's how Jesus put it. Wherever you invest your money, that is what matters to you most. Now, I'm going to get all my amens up front. Come on, brother. Come, come on. Come on, brother. Brother Warren, who's going to help me out. I got my amen corner. Brother Gray, hallelujah, he's there. I'm going to get all my stuff up front. Where you commit the least of your financial resources, that has been entrusted to you from the Lord reveals what you value least. Let me see if I can keep this thing cooperating today. Amen. Get my exercise in. That'll be it for the week. <laughs> hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, the Apostle Paul offers an amazing opportunity to believers to put some financial skin in the game. Listen to uh, the words that he shares in verse 8, and I'm just going to kind of quickly highlight and say that I I'm commanding you. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test you, your sincerity. I want to see how much skin you got in the game. The sincerity of your love, comparing it with the earnestness, with the, with the, with the, with the actual example of others who have skin in the game that are following the example of Jesus. Jesus, who was rich, left heaven's glory to come to earth and taking on the form of a servant, died as a beggar, as a, as, as, a, as a homeless person on the cross, becoming poor, that through his death, we now have spiritual riches. Jesus had skin in the game. Somebody say amen. He had skin in the game. Paul says, people that give to the Lord's work, faithfully have skin 
in the game. Now, if you study the history of the Corinthian church, the carnal corral, Paul talks about they were more worldly than they were spiritual. They claimed that they wanted unity in the church in chapters 1 through 4, but they were divided over leadership. Some say, I'm of Apollos. Others say, I'm of Peter. No, I follow Paul. And others are so spiritual. No, I only follow Jesus. They had no skin in the game. They said they wanted unity, but they weren't working for unity in the church. That's chapters 1 through 4. In chapters 5 through 6, they said, they, we want purity in the church. We want the church to look like the, bride, like the bride who is spotless, who is blemishless. And yet they had every type of sexual sin. Paul says in chapter 5, the kind of stuff that you all are doing in the church, they don't even do it in the world. And so they really didn't have any skin in the game because even though they said they wanted purity, they were they were openly engaging in sexual sin. That's chapters 5 through 7. And then chapters 8 and 9, they said, we want liberty. We're in our spiritual freedom so that in our social life, if we want to taste a little bit, if we want to cut the rug a little bit, if we want to do things that we that the Lord has given us liberty to. We, we want liberty in the church. But they had no concern about how their actions were wrecking the lives of weaker Christians by showing what you're drinking on social media, what you're smoking, you know, what you're wearing that is so, so tight that you can't even fit it on. It's, it's like the skin of a grape. You can barely get it. You had to grease your legs to get it on. And so they said they wanted liberty, but the liberty was at the expense of the weaker Christians. So they really didn't have skin in the game. They didn't care. Chapters 8 and 9. Then chapters 10 and 11, they said, they want, we want community. We want the kind of church that helps people when they're hurting. And yet, when they got to communion, they were getting drunk and eating up all the food. In chapters 10 and 11, before the less fortunate got there at the, to, to celebrate the agape feast, there was no food left. And the wine that they were supposed to use to, to memorialize the death of Christ, they were using it to get high. They were talking a good game, but they had no skin in the game. Then chapters 12 through 14, they said, we want charity. We want agape love. While at the same time, they were abusing spiritual gifts for selfish, selfish reasons. Instead of building up the body of Christ, they were edifying themselves. And so Paul wrote chapter 13, the greatest gift of all. Is love. And so you talking about charity, you talking about unity and purity and liberty, and, 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 and yet you have no skin in the game. In chapters 15 through 16, they talking about theology that is accurate. We want the truth, the unadulterated word, word. We want, we want you to study to show yourself approval, work with me, not cutting straight the word of God. And yet they were listening to anybody that comes on Facebook, anybody, you go to everybody's seminar and workshop, listening to false doctrine about the resurrected Christ. Hello. And giving. 
in chapter 16, he talks about the theology of giving. Chapter 15, he talks about the theology of the resurrection. If there's no resurrection, we are the most miserable. And so they were talking a good game, but they didn't have any skin in the game. How much skin do you have in the game here at New Direction? How, how committed are you really to unity and purity and liberty? community. How, how committed are you? Well, the Apostle Paul in chapters 8 and 9 in 2 Corinthians, he returns to the subject that he began in chapter 16 of, of 1 Corinthians about the ministry of giving as an indication of how committed to the work of God, we really are. So I'm going to give you some principles. You're going to write this down. Write this down or listen to the podcast or go back. And I want to thank all those who are watching us on our uh, social media platform, our social media uh, uh, online church for now. We miss you. Come on back home. But uh, if you can't, hey, praise the Lord that you can still follow us. But, so the first thing that Paul talks about, how you know when you have skin in the game. The first thing is in verses 1 and 2. Listen to verses 1 and 2. It says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God, the kiros of God, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, the non-Jewish churches, the Gentile churches, new Christians that he started, the church of Thessalonica, the church of Galatia, the church of Philippi, the church of Berea, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Here's the first thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to look at that a little more closely. Giving to the work of the Lord should be fun. Hallelujah! He said, he said and now, brother, I'm going to read it from the, NI, the, uh, the NIV. He says, Brother and sister, I want to make it no, no, I want you to know about the grace of God. And then he says, in the midst of very severe trials, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I want you, and, and then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, I'm going to read this. It says that God loves what kind of giver? A cheer, come on now, a cheerful giver. Now, that word overflowing joy or abundance of joy means that something internal that happens, one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And joy is the ability to be glad on the inside in spite of what you're going through on the outside. And so they were going through severe testing and and. They were, they were impoverished, and yet there was this overflowing joy that caused them to give to the work of the Lord. And so to them, giving was fun. And then the Lord said in that verse 7 of chapter 9, he loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful in the Greek is hilarion. It means hilarious. 
God loves the kind of giver who laughs to and from the offering plate. There used to be this YouTube where a guy is, 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 is get, comes to the offering, he's doing his holy dance. I mean, he's just showing out, but he does it to the offering plate and away from him. If you want to know when to shout at, at church, the time to shout is when you get an opportunity to give. And so if you've got skin in the game, if you understand the, 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 that you have an opportunity to participate in the work of the Lord that has eternal value, it ought to be fun. Now, let me, let me help some of you all out. They just, I, maybe I shouldn't even tell you this, recently legalized uh, cannabis in New Jersey. The social use of marijuana. What do they call it? Social, what do they call it? Social? Yeah, 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 yeah. Recreational. That's the word. Let's get this right. Recreational use. And so the, the cameras from the news station went to some of the local establishments that just have opened. There were lines going all the way around the building. And they interviewed some of the folks and said, well, how long have you been in line? Five hours. How much is it going to cost you to get one ounce of cannabis? $100. But there's inflation. The gas prices are high. But they, they, the, the, smile, let me take my mask off and let you know. I'm, I'm getting ready to have some fun buying this marijuana because the marijuana is going to do something for those who are willing to stand in the cold and the rain, go on national TV, and so if we can get happy about buying some marijuana, we ought to be able to have some fun when it comes to giving back to the Lord what he gave to us. Yeah. Let me help you some more. You work all these extra hours during the Christmas season only to know that thousands of the dollars that you just made is going to be like somebody cut a hole in your pocket because you got to you're going to use that money to buy gifts. And you're thinking, what a waste. I'm not doing it again. I said I wasn't going to do it last year, but this is the last time. And all of that matters until Christmas morning when you see your children opening up their gifts. And all of a sudden, <laughs> what was drudgery, what was, what was hard, is makes it puts a smile on your face. Because you enjoy blessing your children. Amen. Oh, let me help some of y'all. You still don't get it. You, now you're in the Bahamas on your, on your cot. And, you know, before you went to airline and gone up, and you got to do all these gratuities, and, and the hotel's too expensive, the food is ridiculous, and now you're laying back on your cot next to your wife, and you turn, we deserve this. Why isn't it fun when it comes to giving back to the one who gave it to you in the first place? The Bible says that God loves a hilarious giver, smiling to and from. And the reason I can smile is because I know what God will do with what we give back to him. So the first thing, when you got skin in the game, giving will be fun. Giving will be fun. Here's the second thing. Giving above the tithe should be spirit-led. Now, 
let me, let me say this. I'm going to read the verse. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each of you should give what you have desired or decide, decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or grudgingly or out of compulsion because somebody done cried it out of you. For God loves a hilarious giver. Now, here's what I want you to understand. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are not teaching on tithing. This, this chapter addresses a particular project that resulted from a problem in Jerusalem. There was a famine, a blight in Jerusalem. In the Jerusalem church, the Christians did not have food. They had no resources. And so Paul sent a letter to the Macedonian churches, the Gentile churches, to make a decision to contribute to meet the needs of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. And so this is a special offering. This is an offering for the church building. This is not the tithe. The tithe is the command. Giving to the pastor's love offering or the building project is a choice based on how the Spirit of God leads you. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's a command. It's holy. God has already predetermined the amount. It's 10% of your growth. And every Christian is a tither. Well, I ain't getting no 10%. Yes, you are. God's getting it some kind of way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, 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 that tire that just won't stay inflated. <laughs> that, that, that condition that the doctor can't figure out. That, that those sleepless nights you just can't understand. You tired, but you can't sleep. You tithing. Tithing is a command. Free will offering for special projects is, or love gift is a personal choice based on how the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart. I want to share an example with you. I want you to imagine that this could be us. New Direction Bible Fellowship. In Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 through 5, God has told Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle, a house. It's not going to be a permanent house. It's not going to be the house that Solomon built, but I want you to build me, I want you to build me a tabernacle. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the people. Let me, let me read because you're not going to believe me, but uh, I'm going to read this. Moses is speaking. This is what the Lord commands. Now, the command was to give something. He didn't tell them what to give. He, the, the choice is how much they personally gave. From what you have taken, that is, what I gave you when you left Egypt, he told them to take jewelry. He didn't tell them to take no cheap stuff. That the, the Egyptians said, we want you to go so bad, take the best we got. So the Lord said, take an offering to the Lord. Every one of you. Everyone who is willing is to bring the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. Say no dollar bills, but dollar bills will work sometimes. Listen to how the people responded. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone, verse 21 of chapter 35, everyone who was willing and whose heart was moved who moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meetings, for all of its services, and for the sacred garments. So they brought the preacher's clothes, too. 
And then in verse, in chat, in verse 20, and then going forward, it says, and, they re- and the, the workers received from Moses all of the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service and making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Then the craftsmen who were doing all of the work of the sanctuary came, each one from the work he was doing, and, he, and they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us. So Moses gave another commandment. Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing an offering for the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. The building was paid off before they even moved into it. Can you imagine, Pastor, command, there's something that God wants you to do for what we're about to do because he gave us this work. And you make a decision, I'm going to give something. And every day you bring in something. You bring in some gold, silver, earrings, and turning stuff in. You know how it is when you want to go somewhere and you start taking parts of the pond and whatever. You're getting there some kind of way. And then I get up one Sunday and said, listen, the elders just told me we have more than we need. The building is already paid off before we even move in. How about, couldn't God do that? Couldn't God, oh man, God God could do that. If we understand that when we put some skin in it, we we will be giving above, we will be giving a tithe that is based on how the Spirit of God is leading us. Somebody say amen. amen. We will be giving cheerfully. We're still, we're moving on. Stay with me. Giving should be sacrificial. God expects equal sharing, equal sacrifice, not equal sharing. We don't all have the same amount. But all of us can sacrifice the same amount. If you understand what I'm saying, everyone can sacrifice Not everyone can give the same amount from their sacrifice, but God honors the sacrifice. In verse, you remember the woman who had the one one mite, the two mites, all she had, that's all she had. The Republicans would come, the Republicans and the Democrats coming in, they dropping, you know, big, big bucks on on the offering plate, and they they just think, they just really impressed with themselves. And then Jesus says, stop the music. Stop the music, Dontre. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This woman has given more than all because she gave out of the greatest sacrifice, not because she gave the greatest amount. For I testify you to you that they gave much, they, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their abilities entirely on their own. These people were in poverty. They were poor. They were being persecuted for their faith. They were new Christians. Gentiles giving to a Jewish church. Giving should be sacrificial. Giving should also be systematic. When you get a chance, First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 2, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints in Jerusalem, As I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, 
so you must do also, speaking to the Corinthian church that made a promise, they made a pledge. On the first day of the week, what's the first day of the week? Sunday. <laughs> Let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. In other words, at the first day of every, every first day, if you're at church, now the way we got the electrons, you can give it any day of the week. But it ought to get here by the first day of the week. So you set the Lord aside first to be given on the first day. You get your offering prepared even before you come to church. And you do it systematically at the church where you have been called to serve under the pastor, under the shepherd who is feeding you. Systematically, I had a lady. She come every Sunday. She come with CDs from a, a pastor, an international pastor. Came on TV every Sunday. She'd give me his CD. Oh, he was just amazing. He was just great. And, and she said, and, "Man, I've been tithing to that church for years." I said, "You ought to join that church. If you're not tithing to the church that you are a member of, you're not. You 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 you, you need to go where you're being fed. That's 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 a disobedience to the word." You are in disobedience to the word. If you take, it's like you marry, you say, my honey, I love you, but I'm paying the rent for another woman down the street. <laughs> you take it here, her electric and her food and her house, and then you call yourself faithful because you drop a dime or a, a couple quarters at your own house. You may be saying, well, that's why I haven't joined anybody's church. So I, I, I'm not tithing all. Then you're still robbing God because every believer should be tithing. And so what that means is wherever you are being spiritually fed, you need to be tithing. And if you aren't being spiritually fed somewhere because you're searching, because every Christian in the Bible was always a member of a local church. And by the way, God don't need none of us. We think God needs us. No, he doesn't. We need him. We're going to date God. We're going to check him out and make sure. Yeah, we'll put, us, put our little toe in the water. Ah, nah, not that church. Ah. So you holding on to God's money. It's kind of like you have the student loan, and because you got a, a moratorium, you have to, that doesn't mean the bill went away. And so that means for however long you're not at a church, you are saving your tithe. So when you join that church, that church is really going to be blessed because you're going to give them the full tithe that you owe to the Lord. Oh, wow, it's getting kind of quiet up in here. You can't go on vacation and take the Lord's money and say, when I come back, I'll start tithing again. You don't stop paying your bills at home while you're on vacation, because if you did, you wouldn't have a home. So I say to anybody that's tithing somewhere else, and this is the church you call home, join the other church, because I'm not your pastor. I'm not. Biblically, you sow to the church that is shepherding you systematically. Now the question, do you have any skin in this game? Does this church really, do you really want unity? Do you really want purity? Are you really committed to the word? Aren't we? Do you, are you really committed to charity? Aren't we? Oh, I'm a committed. I love this church. What a great church. Where's the skin? <laughs> well, when I start working, I have single people. When I'm just by myself and nobody going to take care of me, and, and when I get married, no, you're going to be just as stingy and deceptive when you get married because the Lord said he was faithful over a few things. 
And so you don't start getting generous when you get a husband or a wife. Being single doesn't give you a get-out-of-jail card. You should be tithing. That's biblical. That's we word church, ain't we? We all, every time I go to church, they talk about money. Not at this church. I hear people talking about joining the blessing plan. Well, you got to put some skin in it. <laughs> Giving should be considered a privilege. Verse uh, 5, it says, they urgently pleaded, they begged, with, begged us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They begged. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody saying, please let me give you some money. Please let me help you out with your, with whatever you're trying to do. I really believe that if God shows you somebody in the church that's trying to reach their full potential in Christ and they just started something, sow to that, sow into that ministry. Give them something. David said, what shall I render to the Lord for all of his many benefits? When you think about how good God has been to you, you should be in, I know I ought to be in jail. I need. To, I would have 50 kids if the Lord hadn't helped my foolish, crazy self. Don't look at me like that. You would too. It may, my sin may not have been your sin, but you had something. If it had not been for the mercy and the patience and the love of God, why wouldn't I want to bless the Lord with, David said, what shall I render? For all, I don't know what his benefits are for you, but you ought to just be thinking about him right now. You may not praise him for, for the rest of this sermon, but why don't you just take a minute to give him a praise. Lord, I thank you for your benefits. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my health. Thank you, oh God, that you gave me a mind to come out and worship you today. Thank you, God, for his many, many benefits. His many benefits. Giving is a privilege. It all belongs to him. And he gives us an opportunity to participate in eternal matters. Let me run on. Giving should start with offering yourself first. The Bible says, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then to us for his sake. God doesn't want anything from your hand until he has your heart. And one of the ways you know how that God got your heart is because he got your pocketbook. He got your bank account. The one we travel nicely with. The one that we got dressed up with today. Giving should start with giving yourself. There are people who have no problem giving. They'll write a check in a minute. They ain't coming to church. They ain't going to pray with you. They will not visit you at the hospital, and they will not be inconvenienced, but they will write a check. Now, to, for those of you who have no trouble writing checks, write your check. <laughs> Get some count. No, no, give yourself to the Lord. Because God honors a heart that is surrendered to him first. One of the ways that I, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead, let me run on. It starts with giving yourself. Have you given yourself to the Lord? 
when I make a little bit more money. No, you're not. You're lying. I tell you what, where I'm at in my walk with the Lord, I don't even want anybody praying for me that's stealing from the Lord. Don't pray for me. Because you know, I don't want what God's going to do to you on me. You say you love the work of the Lord and you ain't giving two plump nickels? Again, I didn't say the amount, but you ought to be giving something. You ought to be tithing. God said, if not, you're cursed with a curse. That's what God said. I was going to preach Malachi. I said, no, I ain't preaching Malachi. Said, Here you go again, preaching for Malachi. <laughs> giving starts with giving yourself. Here's a, third, a seventh thing. G- giving should be generous. They said they exceeded our expectations. And Paul adds, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully, you're going, you ain't getting no more than you sow. So if you're stingy with the Lord, God will be stingy with you. Well, he's blessing me like crazy. I'm traveling here. I'm doing this. I'm wearing that. And I got all these. No, no, no. You're just settling for secondhand blessings. When you understand that giving should be generous, you're asking the question, how much more can I give? Not how little can I give? My issue is, I can't give it all away. I got a wife to take care of. I'll give it away now because I love being used by the Lord to bless others. I really do. That's the call of God on my life. But it's not just me that he wants to meet the needs of the body of Christ. Giving should be generous. I also believe that we should have what's called an overflow. That you come to church with some, we don't even carry bills anymore. But I, used to, I remember I would go to church when things were really tough. They weren't always good for me. I would get there with just enough gas to, be, to make Bible study. And without exception, somebody would walk up to me before I would leave. They'd shake my hand, and they put, a, a, put money in my hand. How would they know? And that money was used to put gas in my car to take my children home. I want you to be thinking that way. How can I be a blessing? What can I do since God has blessed me beyond even what I anticipated? I am, I'm a blessed person. But God doesn't bless us to keep it to ourselves. He blessed you to bless others. I'm almost done. He who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He who sows generously shall reap also generously. I remember we, uh, we took the singles to a Valentine's Day. Usually it's for husbands and wives and that kind of thing. So we said, no, I'm going to include the singles because they, the Lord going to bless them with a the husband too. They tipped out of there without even paying the bill. They left the bill to all the married couples. I, 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 know, who, I know who orchestrated that too. We didn't invite them to be, to be to freeloads. Free They walked out. It was a high-end restaurant. <laughs> we all were about to be washing dishes, trying to get our nickels together. Give God yourself first. Giving should also be people-focused. Watch this. He said, sharing in the service 
to the Lord's people. God never puts money over ministry. If we do ministry, the money will always be here. If we focus on helping folk, God will bless the church. I taught at a Presbyterian church once a year. I would do a series. The church had $5 million saved. They had paid their bills up to seven years. They didn't even have to pay a bill. And they, would live, they lived in a community that was poor, single parents, dropout crime rate. They would not give a nickel to improve that community. And so when I would go back, every year I watched that, that congregation shrink smaller, get older, and to this day that church is extinct. The money went somewhere. Somebody ended up with it. But God didn't give the church resources just to sit on them. Giving should be people-centered. I love it when I see the folks in our church who have a heart to, to just give what they got. Give what they got. And it's not always money. It's a word of encouragement. It's sitting down with somebody. It's holding someone's hand. It's visiting somebody who's sick. But in this chapter, it's money. Amen, amen. And we won't get off the target here. We're we talking about talking about mean green. God didn't say that money was evil. He said the love of money. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, we're getting on. We're beginning to. Giving should be viewed as an indication of your spiritual maturity. Listen to what Paul says in verse 7. He says, but since you excel, back in chapter 8, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this, in this grace giving. So Paul says, you got all the spiritual gifts. You got, you got, you, you name the spiritual gifts. They're active in the church, and we've taught you what those gifts are. But one of the things that indicates that you haven't grown is that you haven't completed this grace, this act of grace. You haven't given. So if you want to know where you are spiritually, how is your giving? How has it changed since you've been saved? Are you giving to the point where it's comfortable? Suppose your job didn't give you a pay increase every year. Would you stay there? Somebody say, I, I don't have any. Okay, that, that's not ideal. They're required by law to give a pay increase. And yet our pay increases and we don't increase how we give to the Lord. Wow. Amen. One more last thing. We're done. We're done. Giving should be an expression of your, the, the love you have for Christ. He said, I'm commanding you. I'm not commanding you. Verse 8 and 9, he, uh, he says, but I want, you to, I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing you, by comparing it with the earnestness of others. He says, you want to know how much you love Jesus? Look at your checkbook. When you get ready to get a new house, or even in some cases to start a new job, guess what they're doing? They want your, they want your character references, but the greatest statement of what your character is, they look at your financial statement. And then another thing they do, they're looking at how you behave on social media. 
And I don't care how qualified you are, they, it ain't going to tell you, I saw what you were doing on social media. I saw how much debt you are in. Not because you've been giving to the Lord's work, but because you've been giving to your own interests. And the Lord is not obligated to bless our interests. He will bless his will. Do you have skin in the game? There is a, an evangelistic outreach. Stand with me. In Chicago, a group of Christians from a local church, they were going door to door, and they knocked on the door, and an elderly woman, she was sick, she had no one to take care of her. And um, one of the workers who was out, a part of her, she witnessed to this elderly, elderly woman, and the woman said, I, I want Jesus. And she said to them, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to have surgery. I don't know how it's going to turn out. They said, she said, would you pray for me? They said, we'll pray for you right now. And not only will we pray for you, we will call you and someone will visit you. We will have Bible study with you throughout your experience of getting, going through your surgery. And so the woman had surgery. She was, the surgery went well. She, she was, the church would go to her house, take her groceries, fix her meals while she was recovering. And then they began to teach her the Bible, and she grew. Now she was able to go to the church. And then one day the pastor stood up in the pulpit, and he said, we're getting ready to have a building project. And we want everybody who can to participate. And this woman thought, I'm a senior citizen. I'm on a real fixed income. And before I even see my money, it's already gone. And the Lord kept saying, make a commitment. Make a pledge. And she said, well, how, how can I do it? And she kept playing. She said, the Lord said, make a pledge. And so she told the pastor, little pastor, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but the Lord told me to commit $300. She made, once you step out there on the water, you make that pledge, you say what you're going to do. All of a sudden, the next thing the Lord says, the nursing home that's not far from you, I want you to go down there. I want you to see how you might do something for the people that, there, that are there that might earn you a couple extra dollars. And so she agreed to do what none of the workers wanted to do. She agreed to wash the hair of the women and to comb it and to wash their feet. And realizing that they were on a restricted income, she said, I'll charge you 50 cents to wash your hair, 50 cents to comb it, and 50 cents to bathe your feet. And if you can't pay me, I'm going to wash your hair, comb it, and do your feet anyway. And for a year, she did it. And at the end of the year, she shows up at the church with a shopping bag full of crumpled up $1 bills. And she said, here, Pastor, I said 300, but it's five. I want you to know when you make up your mind that you're going to put some skin in the game, that you're going to really get serious about seeing this church succeed, seeing yourself as a part of it because the Lord has blessed you. Your life has been changed as a result of this church and this ministry. I want you to understand that God will give you a way to do something that will let you know that if it hadn't been for him, you wouldn't have been able to do it. But because you obey him, then he said, if you try me, 
I will open up the windows, not just a window, but the windows of heaven, and I will pour you out a blessing that you're unable to receive. God said, try me, test me, and see if I don't do what I promised. I'm a witness that if you do what God said do, and you put some skin in the game, God will bless you. I'm a witness that God could do something supernatural, that even before we move to Middletown, the building could be paid. God could do it. But he's not going to do anything that we are not willing to allow him to do through us. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. Father, I am so blessed by the best. Father, I have an overflow in my life. Not because I deserve it, but because I have agreed with what you have already said. And because you said it, you have been faithful to your promise. God, right now, I want to just lift up every person under the sound of my voice. I pray, oh God, that another day would not pass where you would give them peace about withholding from you. Father, I pray that they would grow enough in their faith that they, they would recognize that the door that you want to open for them is still closed because they won't trust you in the area of giving. Father, I pray right now that they would leave not as they came, but they would leave with a mind made up. I am going to tithe. And beyond that, Lord, I'm going to be praying for ways to be a part of what you want to do in this kingdom work that's here. And then, Lord, I pray for every person that has deceived themselves into thinking that as long as they're not a member of a church, they're not obligated to tithe. That's, that's, that's from the pit of hell. That's a violation of your word. Father, I pray that whoever is shepherding them, that they would commit to that ministry and bless that ministry. And then, oh God, until you show them where they should ultimately serve, Father, I pray that they would be reserving the tithe if they're not giving it. And when they join the church, that they would be such a blessing to the ministry because they give it all back to you because it is owed to you. It's a debt we owe to you. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Now, as we re remain standing, I'm so grateful.